Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I want to read today from my favorite, my favorite psalm. My favorite passage in the Bible. It's the first passage that I remember as a child memorizing. And that is in Psalm 23. Anybody like this passage, Psalm 23? There's about 35 of you that like this passage in Psalm 23. The rest of you are going to hell, but it's okay. Um, I, I love this passage and, um, and I don't want to read the first six verses. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Thank God. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Amen. Your rod and your staff, they don't sound like it, but they comfort me. They don't sound comfortable, do they? Verse 5, you prepare a table. We just sang this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. Father, thank you for your word today. We pray that you would speak to us, God, speak to us. God, we want God almighty, God sovereign to speak to us humans that are imperfect and flawed in every way. God, you are perfect. We look to you today to your perfect word, just to encourage us, to grow us, to stretch us, to change us, to challenge us. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen. Amen. And let's give our worship team a round of applause this morning. They are fantastic. Well, I don't know what to think about the Cardinals. The first game they played, I said, before they play, I said, we're going to win the Super Bowl. And then they didn't play. They were there, but they didn't play the first game. And then they, they didn't play the second game. And then they played like a half of one game. And I don't know, somehow here we are two and two. So look at somebody and say, I'm believing again. The Cardinals are going to win the Super Bowl. Come on, believing again. We got to have hope. We got to have belief. Life is filled with highs, lows, and plateaus. That's a fact. Life is filled. It's like a roller coaster. Man, there's some really great times. There's some really bad times. Then there's just kind of the in-between. And your life is anything like my life. I feel like when I am on a mountaintop, I also have one foot in a valley. It seems like life is just kind of all over the place. It's full of highs, lows, and plateaus. I do want you to know that God is still God in every high and every low and every plateau. God is still God. God is still faithful in our failures. God is still loyal when we lose our way. God is still our stability 
in the storm. God is still our hope when we are helpless. And scripture says that God is close to the brokenhearted. Scripture says that God is our ever-present help in the times of trouble. No matter where you find yourself in life this morning, God is still God. God is still God and God is still sitting on the throne. Some of you might find yourself in a valley today. We've all been there. Those low places in life, they are lonely places in life. They are dark places in life. They are desperate places in life. We have all been in the valley. Maybe today you're in a valley. Maybe today your valley is that you've hit rock bottom. Maybe you've been going through a relational valley or an emotional valley. It's like a valley of divorce or a valley of depression or a valley of disease or a valley simply just of desperation. If you're in the valley today, I want you to know this is that God's greatest victories always take place in the valleys. God's greatest victories always take place in the valleys. And that's my title today is that there's victory in the valley. Will you say that out loud? There's victory in the valley. Look at somebody and tell them there's victory in the valley. There's victory in the valley. There's victory in the valleys, the greatest, the greatest victories that you will ever experience always occur in the valleys of life. There's victory in the valley. It was in the valley of Elah where David feeded the giant Goliath. It was in the valley of Jezreel where Gideon defeated the Midianites. It was in the valley that we just sang about where God turns dry bones dry dead bones into a living army. It was in the valley of Berchaka that Jehoshaphat defeated the Moabites and the Ammonites. It was in the valley of ditches where Israel and Judah defeated the Moabites. And it is in your valley where God will show up victorious. There's victory in the valley. There's victory in the valley and the greatest victories always happen in the valley. There are some undeniable victories, some undeniable blessings that take place in the valleys. There are some things that happen in the, we don't like being in the valley, but I love what comes out of the valley. I don't like being in the valley in the time of the valley, but I love what takes place in the valley. And I want to talk about a few blessings today that take place in the valley. Blessing number one, if you're taking notes, write this down, is that God's presence is with me. That is a blessing. God's presence, somebody should be excited about that. God's presence is with me in the valley. Sometimes God's got to get you to a valley so his voice is the only voice you're listening to. He's not isolating you. He's insulating you. He's not abandoning you. He's anointing you. See, sometimes he takes you to the wilderness, but the wilderness isn't really about the wilderness. It's about developing your witness. When God takes you into the wilderness, he's not trying to take you into the wilderness for the wilderness. He's taking you into the world, the, the wilderness to get you out of the worldliness. He's trying to grow you. He's trying to show you that I am with you. 
that my presence is with you. Look at this with me again in Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse four. Let's read this one together. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, this verse four is profound. Verse four, it is incredibly interesting to me because I think it's spiritually and biblically strategic. Verse four, because in verse four, there's a shift that takes place. There's, there's a shift in the language. There's a shift in the, the language in the first three verses He uses third person. He's talking about God. He's talking about God. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord makes me lie down in green path. It's God who leads me. It's God who restores me. But then in verse four, this shift happens and he stops talking about God and he starts talking to God. And I think it's strategic because it's in the valley where Religion turns into relationship. It's in the valley. All of a sudden he starts saying, but you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil. It's in the valleys that you come face to face with God. Any mature believer will tell you, they'll tell you, not that any of us are mature believers, but any mature believer from the next service will tell you (laughs) that the times they've been closest to God are the times when they've been in the valleys. And so if you're in the valley today, I want you to know That we enjoy the mountaintops, but it's where we come face to face with God in the valleys of life. That you'll never be closer to God than when you're in the valley. So if you're in the valley today, you're already victorious because God is with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This verse is loaded with layers. He says, though I walk. In the King James, it says, even though I walk. Yay, even though I walk, though I walk. In other words, I'm going to go through some valleys. It's not if I go, it's when I go. Though I walk through the valleys. Though I walk through the valleys. I like that he says through the valleys, don't you? And not to the valleys. That's two entirely different locations. In in, in other words, I'm not, though I walk to the valley of the, no, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you're in a valley today, remind yourself that the valley is temporary. There's an end to this valley. The valley is temporary. I'm going through the valley. I'm not going to the valley. Yo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow of death, say those three words, the shadow of death, the shadow of death is a much different place than the valley of death. It's a valley of shadow of death. This is not the valley of death. It might look like death. It might feel like death. It might feel like I want to be dead. But it is the valley of the shadow of death. 
And shadows are just shadows. The shadow represents fear and darkness. And it's, it, it represents that, man, I'm, I'm afraid in this situation. I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. And there's three things about shadows that we know is that shadows are bigger than reality. The valley of the shadow of death. Shadows are bigger than reality. They're not real. Shadows aren't real. The other thing is shadow has never hurt anybody. Have you ever had a shadow hurt you? Ever. It's like, man, that's a big, ugly, scary shadow. Might hurt me. The third thing we know about shadows is anywhere there's a shadow, there's always a light. And you know, if you turn and look to the light, the shadow will fall directly behind you. And you know that the Bible says in John 8, 12, that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Look at somebody and tell them it's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. Man, it's just a shadow. I will fear no evil for you are with me. I love that God is with me. No matter where I go, no matter what valley I go through, no matter where it is in my life, that God goes with me. He goes with me. Psalm 34, 18 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Don't you love that today? Listen, if you don't need that today, somebody in your life needs this verse. You should send it to them. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You might be going through a valley of fear today or anxiety or worry. God goes with you. You might be going through the valley of failure today. God goes with you. You might be going through the valley of shame and regrets today. God goes with you. You might be going through the valley of betrayal today or rejection. God goes with you. You might be going through the valley of cancer or disease today. God goes with you. God goes with even though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid because God is with me. God is my comfort. God is my anchor. God is my safety, my protection, my refuge, my ever-present help in the time of trouble. God goes with me. The second thing, the second blessing in the valley. Valleys have blessings. Blessing number two is that God provides for me in the valley. He provides You never know God is all you need until God's all you got. And when God's all you got, you're like, boy, I didn't know that's all I need. He's our provider. In Hebrews, in the the Old Testament, it calls him Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. Jehovah Jireh. That God provided a ram in the thicket for Abraham, like just in the late, in the midnight hour, in the nick of time. Like just when you think, man, I've lost all hope, hope shows up. And just when you think, man, there's no way God's going to do this, God does it. And he does it in a way that is only God. So that when the miracle takes place and when God shows up and when he provides for you, when you look back and your friend or your family member, your coworker, your neighbor goes, man, how did that even happen? You have no other explanation other than to say, all I can tell you is that it was God. There's no way to explain this. It was God. He's our provider. God's our provider. 
I, I love this verse. He says in verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. What does he say? I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, say it with me. I shall not want. I love this analogy because David, he wrote this psalm while he was king, but he's referring to when he was a shepherd. Remember, David was a shepherd. He took care of his daddy's sheep and shepherds, they provide for their sheep. And so as a teenager, David was a shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. I've been a shepherd. I know what it means to be a shepherd. I know what it means to take care of my sheep and to provide and to protect my sheep. And he said, and the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd. I want to read these scriptures in John 10, 10, 10, 11, 10, 14, and 10, 27. Jesus said, I came so that my sheep will have life. And so that they will have everything they need. Provision. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd. The good shepherd gives life. His life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus says I'm the good shepherd and you are my sheep. You're a sheep. Look at somebody and tell them you're a sheeple. Tell somebody you're a sheeple. You're a sheeple. You're a sheep people. A sheeple. <laughs> he says, you're a, I'm your shepherd, you're a sheep. And, and this is not a compliment. Jesus isn't complimenting us by calling us sheep. In fact, it's, I'm trying not to take this personal, but it's kind of a jab. He's like, you're a sheep because... Y'all know sheep are utterly stupid. They're they're just plumb dumb. Sheep are weak. They're defenseless. When they fall down, they can't get up on their own. They got to have their shepherd help them up or they will die. Sheep remain dirty unless someone else cleans them. They got to be sheared for their own good. They're followers. They just follow the butt in front of them just like we do. They're just stupid. I read a story, a news story from back in 2005. It's a true story that there were 1,500 sheep that all followed each other right off a 50-foot cliff, one after the next. Well, you're laughing, but that's what we do as humans. We're like, bah. Sure, I'll just walk and follow this butthole off the cliff of drug use. Yeah, let's go. I'll figure, I'll just follow this. That's what we do as humans. Jesus is like, you, y'all need a shepherd. Y'all need a shepherd. You're, you're like, you're sheep. You need a, you need a shepherd. So David is saying, I, I need a shepherd and the Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. Our shepherd provides for us. This is what the Bible says in Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So God is our shepherd. He is our provider. He provides for you emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally, financially. Anybody got any other LEs we can add? Mentally, he's our provider. 
Look at somebody you came to church with and tell them right now, you're not your own provider. Come on, tell somebody you're not your own provider. God is our provider. Blessing number three. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Blessing number three. Blessing number three. God prepares me in the valley. He prepares me in the valley. See, God knows that sometimes a valley is exactly what you need in life to prepare you for those next moments in your life. God knows preparation, maturity, and the valleys, they keep you dependent on him. So the valleys, they they prepare me. The valleys, they mature me. They grow me. Let me tell you something. We will completely mess it all up on the mountaintop if we don't first mature in the valley. We need maturity. We need to be matured in God. It's in the valleys where God, he teaches us and he equips us and he builds our character and he deepens our roots and he prepares us. The Bible says in Psalm 23 that he restores my soul And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God's end game. Have you ever thought about it for your life? I know we think about our own end game. We think in terms of worldly things usually. We think about, well, I got to have X amount of dollars to be able to. We, We made up a word called retire. That's not in the Bible. But we, we, we decided the last like 10, 15, 20 years, we just want to be lazy. Golf, play shuffleboard. You know what I'm saying? Like, like God forbid we keep working. And, and, and it's, it's interesting because we have like, you know, man, I, I, I want to have kids. And that's like part of the game. I want to have grandkids. That's part of the game. And I don't want to be able to retire and I don't want to, I don't want to suffer if possible. I want to be comfortable. And that's our end game. Our end game is comfort. God's end game is character. God's end game is that he wants to grow you. He wants you to become spiritually mature. His end game for your life, it comes down to two words, maturity and mission. That's God's goal for your life maturity and mission. He wants you to become spiritually mature and he wants you to fulfill your mission, your God-given, God-designed purpose in life. God wants, listen, God wants to make you whole and God wants to make you holy. God is more interested in your holiness than he is in your happiness. God is more interested in your character than in he is your comfort. So it says he leads me in the path of righteousness. Sometimes God's got to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death to get you onto the path of righteousness. He's leading you through a valley to get you to your victory. He wants to grow you and mature you. He wants to grow your faith and your love and your trust and your character. He wants to grow your mercy and your grace. He wants to grow your faith through fires and he's going to grow your trust through trials. This is why it says in James, and I read this a couple weeks ago in James chapter one, he says, consider it pure joy 
My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy. Why? Because God is growing you. He's maturing you. I'm in the valley. This is great. Consider it joy, Lord. This is amazing. (laughs) He's saying consider it joy because of what it's going to produce. What's going to come out of it. He's not saying count it joy because what's in it. He's saying count it all joy because what's going to come out of it. What's going to produce out of this valley. You know, when you buy a, a pearl, I was thinking about this, a pearl. Does anybody have pearls? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. You're loaded. You got pearls <laughs> showing off. Anybody got fake pearls? Raise your hand. Fake pearls. Where are my Walmart, Target shoppers at? Fake pearls. I was thinking about pearls and I was thinking when you buy a when you buy a pearl, what you're actually buying is an irritation. You're you're paying good money for an irritant. You are that that's what a pearl is because a pearl is made through constant irritation, frustration and agitation. An irritant like sand makes its way into the oyster and then it frustrates it. It irritates it. It it rubs on it like sandpaper. And as a defense mechanism, the oyster, it releases like this fluid that coats the irritant and it coats it layer upon layer. And the the coating eventually it creates a pearl. So when you buy a pearl, you're buying a frustration. You're buying an agitation. You're buying an irritant. No irritant, no pearl. No hard times, no pearl. No friction, no pearl. No sandpaper, no pearl. The same is true in your life. No hard times, no beauty grows. No friction in life, no pearl in life. The valleys are like God's sandpaper. Life's irritant. Where it rubs on our life like sandpaper, but it's making us more like him. And our defense mechanism is trusting in Jesus Christ. He covers us in his Holy Spirit and he grows us into the beauty that God has designed for us to become what Ephesians 2.10 calls us his masterpiece. Masterpiece. Let's look at number four. The fourth and at least final for today, blessing is that God protects me in the valley. These verses are interesting in Psalm 23 because he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I think I have PTSD when it comes to rods and staffs from my childhood, but it's not really what he's talking about. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. We're going to dig into this for a minute. My cup runs over. 
over, over. Somebody say over, 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 over. God doesn't just give you enough. He gives you more than enough. He just doesn't give you everything you need. He actually gives you more than you need because we have a God of abundance. He is a God of more than enough. He is a God of overflow. He says, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let's dig into this for a minute. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I said this earlier, sheep are stupid. Sheep are defenseless. And without a shepherd, they have no protection. Sheep without a shepherd have no protection. They don't have sharp teeth because they just graze around on grass all day. They don't have claws. They can't kick. They can't run fast because they have knees, but they don't use them. They just keep them locked up. And so they're like running from the enemy, like, like I'm trying to get away as fast as I can get away, but I forgot I have knees. They're defenseless. They need a shepherd. They, they tend to wander. Sheeple. They, they, they tend to get themselves in trouble. Can anybody relate to this at all? Because I can tell you I relate to this. They tend to do stupid stuff and get themselves in trouble, mindlessly walking through life, taking the bait of the enemy, not once, but like daily. Sheep don't have good vision, so they'll walk right into a ditch or straight into their predators. They need a protector. You and I need a protector. And he says, my rod and my staff, they they comfort you. And here's why. Because every shepherd, every shepherd had two basic tools. They had a rod and they had a staff. And the rod was about two feet long. And it had a knot on the end of it. And it was a little bit heavy. And you could take that rod and it was for protecting the sheep. You could swing it. You could throw it and hurl it and chuck it at a predator. The rod. Then he says the staff, which we all know the staff is a big long stick with a hook on the end of it. Think of a shepherd's staff. A staff was... A long stick with a big hook on the end and it would help. You could kind of guide the little sheepy, right? You, you could kind of direct the little sheepy. If, if, if a sheepy fell down, you could use a hook and lift it back up. Come on, little sheepy. Get along, little sheepy. You're fine. Little sheepy gets stuck in a bush. You help the little sheepy out. He's in a bush. You can help pull it out. If it fell in a hole, you could help pull it out. See, what God is saying to you is that I am your protector and I am, I am, I am, I am God. God is your defender. God is your defender. You don't have to defend yourself. God is your defender. You don't have to fight this battle. God is fighting this battle for you. I will fight for you. I have a rod and I have a staff and I am prepared. I love this. I prepare a table before you in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> what does that mean? It means when all the demons in hell and all the demons in hell and the devil are coming for you, I must sit here at the Lord's table and just enjoy my food. And y'all can come running straight at me, but there's a hedge of protection around me. And you're going to just run into that hedge of protection 
And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat my food in the presence of my father. I'm going to sit here and dine with Jesus. And while the devil's coming and the demons are coming and he's throwing all these weapons at me and all the fiery darts of the wicked and the evil, I'm going to sit here at the Lord's table and I'm going to eat my Oreo cookies. Because at the Lord's table, there's no calories. You know that, right? My enemies are coming for me. What do I do? I'm going to just sit here and eat. I'm going to just eat me some chicken and waffles. I'm going to sit here and eat some comfort food. Knowing that, knowing that no weapon fashioned against me shall prosper. Knowing that no weapon shall prosper. Knowing that no fear shall prosper. Knowing that no guilt shall prosper. Knowing that no shame shall prosper. Knowing that no regret shall prosper. Knowing that no insecurity shall prosper. Knowing that no betrayal shall prosper. No hurt shall prosper. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. In Exodus 14, 14, it says, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. What he's saying is, whatever giant is in your life right now in front of you, Whatever valley you're in today, whatever trial you're in, whatever fire you're in, whatever storm you're in, whatever enemy you're facing today, he's saying for the enemies that you are facing today, you shall never see again because I, the Lord, will fight for you and you only have to be still and be silent. Then he says in Psalm 23, 5, I love this. I'm going to wrap it up with this, this, this whole section here. But he says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. He says, my cup runs over. You anoint my head with oil. Anoint, anointing is a cool Bible word that you really don't use elsewhere. You know what I'm saying? You're not like at work and you're like, you're an anointed salesperson. You're an anointed physician, I just got to say. It's kind of like this Bible word, but you can use it any, anywhere. But it, it, it means to be set apart. Anointed means that you are set apart and empowered by God and protected by God. Anointed means that you are God's. You are God's. It means that God's hand is upon your life. It means that God's power and favor is upon your life. In the Old Testament, they would anoint the heads of future kings and future leaders. And the oil would run down their faces and their beards. And that was them being signified as being their leader, their king, set apart, chosen, empowered. But did you know that the original Use the original idea of anointing oil. It comes from shepherds. 
When you say somebody's anointed, you're actually referring back to shepherds. Because shepherds, they would take this oil and they would pour this oil all over their sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You anoint my head with oil. And sheep were often infested with bugs and insects and lice and all kinds of things that could bother them or even kill them if lodged deep enough into their skin or their ears. And so shepherds would pour this oil on the sheep's heads to make it too slippery for the insects. The anointing oil, it it protected them. It protected them. It became a symbol of protection, empowerment. It's the anointing oil. But did you know that the oil, the oil itself comes when you crush an olive. Anointing, it comes from the crushing. From the crushing. Without the crushing, there's no oil. Without the crushing, there's no anointing. Many times in life, what you think is destroying you is actually God anointing you. That he is crushing you because he's anointing you. It's not a setback. It's God setting you apart. Because without the anointing, without the anointing, you'll never be everything God wants you to be. Your greatest ministry, which everybody has a ministry, Everybody has a ministry. Your greatest ministry is oftentimes birthed out of your greatest misery. God wants to use your hurts to help others. Anointing. Setting you apart. Protecting you. Verse 6. Verse 6. Let's read this out loud together. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. You're not doing it. Let's read this out loud together. Let's try this again. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely. Surely. Look at somebody and tell them, surely. Do you say surely or surely? Which one is it? Surely? Surely's a woman. Surely. Sounds more spiritual. Look at somebody you don't know. Tell them, surely. You know what that means? It means it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's, it's not, will this, it's going to happen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, blessing always comes after a testing. Valleys lead to victories. It's the testing and then it's the blessing. If you're being tested today, if you're in the testing today, I want to be the first to say congratulations because your blessing is right around the corner. Your miracle is already in motion. Your cup is about to run over. 
I want to prophesy to your life today. I want to prophesy to your life today that God is about to turn your shortage into a surplus. Wherever you find yourself short today will be turned into a surplus. He's going to bless you with his goodness and mercy and favor. I'm in the valley, but surely. See, one thing I've learned is what the devil throws at you shows you what's in you. That's why some of you have been under such great attack because the devil knows if he can prevent you. Listen, if you ever reach your full God-given potential, it is going to destroy all of hell and the enemy. If you ever reach your God-given, listen, you'll be a powerhouse for Jesus Christ. If you ever get over all your fears, all of hell is in trouble. If you ever get over all of that guilt and shame, hell is in trouble. If you ever get over this health issue, all of hell is in trouble. If you ever get over this addiction, all of hell is in trouble. And that's why there's a target on your back because the devil knows that you're a powerhouse for Jesus Christ and he has anointed you for such a time as this he has anointed you to change the world not for the world to change you you are anointed you are anointed you are anointed surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever you are anointed come on say it you are anointed I am anointed say it I am anointed come on say it I am anointed prophesy to somebody next to you you are anointed you are anointed you are anointed and surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever because the anointing of God is what breaks the strongholds of the enemy it's the anointing of God that crushes the head of the enemy It crushes, it crushes, it destroys the yokes of bondage. You are anointed. You are anointed. God, we're grateful for your anointing today. Come on, if you're grateful, tell them I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. We're thankful for your anointing today. It says in Isaiah, the anointing that destroys the strongholds, the bondage in our life. God, we need your anointing. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your protection. Listen, if you're here today, you might be here today and maybe, maybe you're not a Christian yet. You're not a believer. I want to invite you today to step into the presence of God Almighty. Allow God to step into your soul. Today you say, God, I give you my life. Maybe you don't even know fully what it means. It's okay. God, I, I want to live for you. All I know, God, is you died for me. And so I want to live for you. God, we're grateful for your grace. We're grateful for your mercy. We're grateful, God, that we serve a perfect God. God, we're human. We're flawed. We screw up. We make bad decisions. We make bad choices. But God, we serve a great God, a perfect God, a God of healing and a God of restoration. God, make us whole and make us holy. Grow us, mature us, 
God, I pray for victory today for those that are in valleys. Victory in the valleys. Victory, God. Victory in the valleys. It's going to happen. We're going to pull victory after victory after victory out of this valley. What the devil meant for evil, God, you're going to take it and you're going to flip it and you're going to change it and you're going to turn it for good. God, you're going to work in our favor today. You're going to work in our favor. So God, let us just walk in your power. Let us walk in your presence. Let us walk in your anointing. God, we love you. Thank you for new life. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.